Welcome to the Res Life Podcast with Dr. Chris Riley and Dr. Alex Schuper, the medical podcast for those at any stage in the medical field, from pre-med students through attending physicians and anyone else who wants to learn more about the field of medicine. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on this video to provide feedback on medical topics you would like to learn more about. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Dr. Riley here. Welcome to the next episode of Res Life uh, with Dr. Schuper out in New York City. I'm obviously down in the Tampa Bay area. Um, this episode, we're going to talk about what it's actually like to be in intern year um, and how to adjust to intern year and lessons that we've been learning as we go through uh, our residency. Dr. Schuper is in his second year of residency right now. I'm in my first year. But anyway, what, what have you been up to this, re- uh, this week, Dr. Schuper? Not much, Dr. Riley. It's, it's been a pretty busy week. Had a few really late nights in the operating room and then some call. So uh, not as much sleep as I would have hoped for this week, but got to do some great cases. Uh, got to see a lot of interesting patients. So it was, it was an awesome week. But Awesome. Did you, what, what, was, uh, what was your most interesting case this week? We had some, uh, we had a bunch of category one cases, which are described as like emergency surgery cases. Um, we had a patient come in with caught equinus syndrome. Oh, wow. It's interesting. We get, we often are consulted on rule out core compression and honestly, 90 plus percent of the time it's not core compression. Yeah. Um, but this patient did have real caught equinus. So, wow. Uh, it's not as common as you would think, but when it happens, you have to act really quickly. And fortunately, we were able to get her to the operating room quickly and help her. And mm-hmm. She's doing well. So Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh, definitely one of the emerging causes of back pain. I have a mnemonic for that. Maybe we can uh, talk about later uh, in the ED <laughs> if anybody's interested. But um, anyway, I mean, you know, that, that was it. Pretty much just on call, dealing with some, you know, emerging cases. Yeah, what about, what about you? How, how was your week looking? And are gearing up for taking your last four exam? Yeah, so, uh, you know, my program, they give us uh, an academic week uh, every year, either to attend conferences or study or take an exam. So I have to take my step three uh, United States medical licensing exam. I'm taking it in two days. Uh, I'm feeling pretty, pretty prepared for it. I've been doing a lot of UWorld questions uh, as well as Master the Board's Step 3 review, uh, which is just a general review book. Um, you know, they have some interesting things like clinical cases where you actually have to type up information and stuff, but I'm just going to do a couple of those tomorrow just to get familiar with the format, and uh, I'll be good to go. Good to sure, go. You're so, hey, let's, you know, let's hope so. It's the last one. Just get it out of the way. I'm so right. over these tests, man. <laughs> Last one until obviously, you know, the specialty emergency medicine, uh, board exam. But I mean, you got a while till you have to take yours, huh? We actually take them every year. Uh, so I'm hoping oh, really? to pass it next year and then take it for credit. My third year is the goal. Awesome, dude. That's great. They're, they're pretty tough and pretty long as expected. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> We all go through it. The for the junior people listening, the pre med students, just know that exam taking never ends. So you you are basically you're you're basically a professional exam taker by the time you start intern year. You know, if you think about it. Absolutely. But, uh, Fortunately, but yeah, they don't they don't stop. It becomes a little bit more relevant toward your life and your specialty. On my board exam, it's all neurosurgery. So definitely, definitely. Well, okay. Cool. 
All right, so Dr. Schuper, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what intern year was like for you going into intern year, your, you know, your thought process, and, you know, how do you compare that to now being a very well-established second year? Absolutely. I mean, uh, so Dr. Riley and I come from similar backgrounds as we both went to different, to residency programs outside of where we trained for med, in our medical education. So we both had a big adjustment to make. We, you know, we both went to a new program in a new state. Uh, so it's a huge adjustment. You know, I moved from San Diego to go all the way across the country in New York City to a city I've never lived in, where I had you know, family in the area, but I didn't know any of my co-residents. Uh, you know, it's a fresh new slate. You go from being a fourth-year medical student who thinks you know, they're a pretty good medical student to an intern who has a freshly minted MD who really doesn't know very much. And I think that's one of the rudest awakenings. You know, your, first, your first day of intern year, you're a doctor. No, you don't have a label on your badge that says first day intern. It's not like medical school. The nurses are asking you questions and they're expecting answers and your patients are relying on you. So I think the most important thing in the beginning is to know, know what you'll know. And the, the biggest thing you can do as an, an intern, especially an early intern, is just, I mean, this goes for all our residency and all of your practice, but just be as safe as possible. And being cognizant, knowing what you don't know is so important. And especially in the beginning, most things are going to fall under that bucket, under that category of Bingo. Thing, things I don't know. And you know, regardless of your, of your specialty, whether it's emergency medicine or neurosurgery, most of what you do, you're not going to have an idea. And every single thing you, sh- you do, with very few exceptions in the beginning, you should rise up the ranks. You should talk to your chief about it. You should talk to your attending. You should talk to your other, the junior residents who everyone's more senior than you on day one, right? So mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to go up the ranks. You have to be safe. And you have to make sure that at all times you're delivering the highest quality of care for your patients. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. When when I was a fourth year med student, I felt very confident, very competent. You know, obviously I could give it a baller HPI, like, you know, no problem. This is my thing, right? Um, intern year is so different. It's, uh, you really do need to check yourself. If you are not confident in something, talk to somebody about it, run it by somebody. If you see someone, you walk into a room and that patient looks sick to you, you should immediately think about what's going on and at the same time be walking to your senior resident to be like, all right, this patient just came in, vital signs are this, they're state, they're unstable. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I may need some help in this case, especially in your first couple months of intern year, because again, you're used to that medical student role of, you know, just getting the HPI, doing a physical exam, you know, maybe dispoing the patient at the end, which is, you know, very important to learn as a fourth year med student you know, is this patient sick enough that they're going to stay? Are we going to have to put them on the floor? Are we going to have to admit them to ICU? Uh, or are they okay to just follow up outpatient? Um, so that's really important disposition, obviously, in the emergency department. Uh, but in terms of being an intern now, it's, it's definitely been a huge adjustment. Um, again, like you were just saying, like, really understanding that you thought you knew everything, but now you're coming in and you're like, wow, there is so much that I have to learn still. And really try to absorb as much as you can from your co-residents, 
the attendings, the nurses, they're so helpful. Um, you know, they'll, they'll tell you everything you need to know. Just be nice to them, learn their names, try to learn everybody's name everywhere. Um, you know, that's just basic human interaction stuff, but I think that, um, that's such a great point, Chris. Uh, one of the, one of the biggest mistakes new interns make is when they forget to check their ego at the door, Big they time. come in and they're like, Hey, I'm a doctor. I just graduated medical school. Everyone should bow down to me. I'm better than the nurses and the nurse assistants, uh, than the respiratory therapists. It's the biggest mistake you can make because A, it's going to create a horrible reputation for you. And especially in healthcare, reputations are really hard to break and change. And every single person there is more experienced than you. And you need to remember that, that the respiratory therapist is ha, understands ventil ventilatory management much better than you do. I don't care 100%. that you aced your pulmonary section of your second year. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because in terms of practical physiology, they, they've done this for years and they understand this much better than you do. So exactly. just because you did well on one test before you started seeing patients, do not come in acting like you know more than someone or you can tell someone else what to do and they have a lot more experience than you. Same with the nurses. The nurses can be your best friends, your best advocates, your best enemies. And my dad told me when I was in medical school, he, was, he always would tell me that the better relationship you have with your nurses, the easier your life will be. Because guess who's paging you at two in the morning when something's going on? And guess who has that threshold of what things are, they can handle on their own or what they're going to call you about all night long and all day long? And, and, you know, to wit's end, it's the nurses, right? Yeah. The nurses yep. at the end of the day are the ones who are spending more time with your patients. At the end of the, the day, they know what's going on with your patients more than you will, mm -hmm. right? And the doctors who aren't willing to admit that are not going to be good doctors and they're not going to be able to deliver quality of care because they're not communicating with the healthcare team. They don't mm -hmm. understand what's actually happening in terms of the daily care of their patients. So the more you can take the whole team approach to the delivery of healthcare, the better your doctor you're going to be and the better care your patients are going to receive. So it, it's so important that you have to leave your ego at the door. You have to check yourself every single day you walk into the hospital and Hey, I'm just an intern, even now. I'm just a junior resident. I'm a new junior resident. Most of the things going on, I don't know. There's some things a little bit more, I'm a little bit more confident about, but the majority of things I still don't know. I'm still not very confident about, and I'm relying of course. on the whole team to make sure my patients gain the best care. And Again, the more you stick to that mentality, the better you're going to be and the safer you're going to be. This is, uh, this is very similar to a team sport. This is, uh, this is your team. Um, everybody has a role and honestly, if you think you're above certain roles, then you are going to have a tough time. Um, again, like Dr. Schuper said, check your ego at the door, uh, especially as a fourth year med student doing your away rotations, just honestly be as nice as you can be, be as outgoing as you can be, try to meet as many people as you can. Um, so important. Um, and remember, you know, nothing, I know nothing as Michael Scott says. Um, but yeah, so how, how, does, how does intern year, like starting up intern year, how does that compare to your thought process now as a second year? It's a whole new ball game. It truly is. Intern year, you really go in blind. You know only what you learned on, on your sub-internships as far as your specialty knowledge. And then, you know, now I have a whole year under my belt working many hours a day, 
for an entire year straight. Uh, you know, I have pretty good understanding in, in my case of basic neurosurgical management. Uh, most consults, I'm pretty comfortable managing by myself and kind of understanding the plan. Of course, you know, I, I always staff them uh, with my chief resident, my attending, but in terms of coming up with the plan autonomously, I'm, I'm pretty confident at this stage. Knowing, you know, from, from a surgeon's perspective, the most important thing is deciding who needs surgery and who doesn't. And then of the patients who need surgery, who needs surgery right now and who can wait. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our big decision point. And at this stage, I'm, I'm pretty confident about, you know, which boxes I need to put which patients in. Um, just like from an emergency medicine standpoint, a big thing mm-hmm. is who, you know, who needs to be admitted to the hospital, who needs to be in the ICU, and who can go home. Mm-hmm. Once, once you have an idea of who, which patients fit in those boxes for the majority of diseases and conditions, the better emergency room doctor you're going to be. And so it, establishing this, this basic knowledge, you know, and the basic ability to triage within your specialty is really important. So I think for me, at least, that's the biggest difference between intern year and second year is that mm-hmm. level of comfort. And I was going to ask you, do you think that um, that's come with time and uh, in terms of the amount of patients that you see, like the more patients you see, the more confident you get, like, oh, I've seen this before. Or, oh, this presentation's similar. Like we did this last time. 100%. It's all repetition. Everything in medicine is repetition. Mm-hmm. It's like blink by Malcolm Gladwell. You know, you have to do something 10,000 times, 10,000 hours before you become an expert. Expert. Um, it's funny, actually, one of the, the fourth year medical students on neurosurgery was rotating with me when I was on call on Friday. And he asked me, you know, he spent a couple hours with me. He said, Alex, you know, it's incredibly intimidating that I watch you go through a CT scan and it only takes you about three seconds to look through a CT of someone's head. And he's like, and with an MRI, you you look through everything you need to look through an MRI within like three minutes. Like, how do you do it? I'm like, man, even though I'm just a, a, a junior resident at this stage, I've looked through so many thousands of CT scans that I know based on the symptoms that the patient has and what we're concerned about, I know exactly what, what series to look at and what specifically I'm looking at each series. So once you're able to triage things in your head, it's much faster. For example, for a stroke patient, I know exactly which series on MRI I need to look at, select the ischemic infarct, right? Looking at the DWI is gonna be extremely important. For someone with a brain tumor, especially meningioma, looking at post-contrast imaging is going to be really important. I don't need to look at all 17 series on the MRI. I can pick the three or four that is going to help me figure out, A, what, what pathology they have, B, where it is, and C, how am I going to treat it? Yeah. So it's just, it's just repetition. You know, at this stage, even only a year residency under my belt, the thousands and thousands of CT scans and MRIs of the brain spine that I've looked at, by no means do I understand everything as far as neuroradiology. I'm not even close, but for most of these, I I can narrow things down and have a good sense of what's going on just in a couple seconds of flipping through a scan. And that just comes with time. It just comes with repetition. You know, you're not going to be at that level at the beginning of intern year, but you see my chiefs and, you know, at this stage, I I know exactly what series to text them. And, and they know that because I understand the disease process, and I can take them through a scan and they trust that if I say, hey, this is what's going on, they don't have core compression, they have mild neuroforaminal stenosis at, at this level, this is what's going on. They're like, yeah, I agree. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need to see any more imaging because this is all I need to see for X disease process. 
Yeah. It's that state you get to, and it comes with everything. But the, yeah. to answer your question, it's just time and repetition. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that I've picked up too when, when looking at imaging is having some sort of method to it. Um, you know, some people do the ABCDE method for chest x-rays or, you know, when, when you're looking at these images, it's really easy to zoom in on whatever you are looking for. So that's like an internal bias you have. But it's so important to keep in mind that you have to have this process because if you're focused on, you know, a cavitary lesion on the upper lobe of the left lung and then you miss, oh, wait, they have like multiple healing fractures on the right side. Maybe this is actually elderly ab abuse and they also have, you know, TB or whatever. So it's really important to keep in mind having a system as well as, um, you know, after you go through your system, then you can focus on, on what you want to do. And it's all about practice, 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 you know? So, uh, but great. Awesome. Uh, awesome advice right there. Um, and so what I think everybody should understand is as you go through pre-medicine, med school, residency, you are going to deal with so many failures and so many mistakes. And, a lot of people get really bogged down by this stuff, but you have to understand in medicine and actually anything in life, you learn through your mistakes. You have to have these mistakes and failures. You have to be uncomfortable sometimes to push yourself to the point where, all right, I actually, you know, actually understand this now because I practiced it so much because I made that mistake. That one mistake pushes you to the point where, okay, now I will never make that mistake again. Some people get bogged down. Do you have any advice for those kind of people? I've been getting a lot of questions about that lately. Absolutely. I, honestly, I believe it's the toughest part of being a trainee in medicine. And honestly, just being in medicine in general is you are constantly faced with failure. Mm -hmm. And more than just facing failure is the gravity of our failure. I have friends yeah. who, are, who are scientists who work in cancer labs and they say, hey, when I fail and something goes wrong, my cells die. When you fail, your patient dies. And that's a huge thing. And obviously to varying degrees within medicine and neurosurgery, it becomes much more morbid. If you make a mistake mm -hmm. in the operating room, it can easily cost someone their life. And you know, often worse than that, by giving yeah. a horrible deficit that they'll never overcome. These are horrible things to deal with. Uh, they take a huge toll on mental health right? Which we can talk about, we'll talk about in another episode of dealing with mental health issues and how to, you know, mental resilience and mental toughness is so important in medicine. But learning through failures, honestly, is the, the most important thing you can do, especially just starting out in residency. Because as we mentioned, you don't know anything, you're going to fail all the time. And, you know, there's so many cliche quotes from Jordan, from everyone, yeah, uh, you know, not how many times you get knocked down, how many times you get back up, you know, Mike Tyson quotes and all that. But it's so true. How you rebound from failure will determine how good of a doctor you're going to be. I can yes. say that with so much confidence because it's so true. And you see the leaders of every field, uh, you know, in my field, the Harvey Cushings, the, you know, the, the dandies, the reason that these guys rose and, you know, became the prolific surgeons that they were is because how many times they failed. Of course. Right. You know, if you ask, uh, you know, Edison about building a light bulb, you know, it's not the, 
the one time he built the correct way was 10,000 ways he yeah. did not build the light bulb. Right? Exactly. exactly. And no, but no one thinks of him by the 10,000 failures he made. Exactly. Think about it by the one invention that changed the world. And it's the same thing in medicine. You're going to fail. And unfortunately in our profession, in our calling, failing sometimes means that someone's going to get hurt. Right. And you have to be able to separate yourself emotionally from that and not say you shouldn't be compassionate. You should always be compassionate with your patients, but at the same time, you always have to check in with yourself. You have to understand that, yes, I failed. This is the mistake that I made. And you have to mm-hmm. actively work on it so you don't repeatedly make the same mistakes. Because the only, the, the only thing dangerous in medicine, or in this case, the thing that's dangerous is not someone who fails once, but someone who's, who fails multiple times at the same thing. Because that means they're not learning from their mistakes and they're not reflecting on what they're doing wrong. And that's a dangerous doctor. So. Yes. Reflection is so important, so important. Uh, Reflection, resiliency, because again, you know, some people get knocked down and they they cry about it, they cower, they stay down, and they they have this feeling of inadequacy that they can't do it. But I'm telling you guys, you can do it. If you focus on your failures and try to analyze what did I do wrong in this situation, what could I have done better— after every shift, you should be saying that to yourself. You should talk to your senior residents. Be like, what did I do wrong today? What could I have done better at? And then also, obviously, you know, be like, what did I do right today? So then you could have that mental stability of, okay, I need to work on these things, but today I crushed these things. It's so, so important. It's so Yeah. We have, Just a little time to reflect. Absolutely. We have a couple of attendings in my department who are great educators and nationally known educators. And some of the things that they do with their residents, which I appreciate so much, is after every case, we go into their office and we meet with them. We just talk for about five, 10 minutes. Usually it's after we drop the patient off in, in the post-op area and we tell them their exam, how the patient's doing. And we just reflect quickly. Hey, what, what were the things we did well in this surgery? What are things we need to work on? Right? And what's kind of the take-home message? So for me at my level, it's you know, get, you know, was I able to get the patient in the room and set up the room properly? Was the microscope set up the right way? Was it bounced the right way? Was the patient positioned the right way in an area that ergonomically we were able to operate in a comfortable way, right? These sound like silly things, but for surgeons, it's life or death. If your patient's positioned, if we pin their head in a way that's suboptimal, it's going to be a brutal six hours that we're going to feel it. And we're going to be mentally, physically exhausted and as a result, mentally exhausted. So just understanding that for each case, how it position the patient anatomically in a way that ergonomically you're going to be comfortable as a surgeon is so important. So everything from the approach, you know, um, did I do my dissection properly? Did I do my craniotomy properly? Is there something I could have done better in terms of drilling out the skull? These, these very minute technical details that over the course of several years will end up turning into a great surgeon because I'm paying attention to these little details. These are things that I often reflect on with my attending. And a lot of my attendings are really good about giving feedback and giving constructive feedback of, hey, you did this, that, and that really well. I would, you know, for next time, I want to see you do this better. You know, I think you did a good job with this, but I didn't like, you know, how you cut the dura in this way. You know, I think you could have been a little bit more precise with your 11 blade when you did your durotomy. Great. This is something I'm actively going to work on, reflect on for my next case. It happens in every specialty, at every stage. For chief, in my specialty, chief residents or seven-year residents, they're always having things to work on. Right? And these of course. are people who are about to go into the field as an attending. 
right? We never stop learning. We never stop getting better. doesn't matter if you've been in Tang for 30 years or you're a new intern. We're always getting better. Yeah, and that's so important to reflect on too, um, that there's always room for improvement, uh, no matter if you're an intern versus a seventh year you know, chief resident. Um, so important. Awesome discussion right there. I think a lot of people need to hear that because, again, a lot of people sometimes have that imposter syndrome and, you know, that lack of confidence, which, you know, we'll, we'll touch on all this stuff, uh, in, in a future episode on mental health. I think, I think that's very important, but, uh, so Alex, we got, uh, we got our top three lessons, um, that we actually learned from intern year. So me and Alex sat down, we discussed this a little bit. I mean, obviously I'm only a couple months in, uh, Alex is in his second year of residency. So he obviously had a lot more things that he has learned already, but they are definitely things that we can connect on. So, you know, what, what's, what's lesson number one, Dr. Schuper? Absolutely. No, thanks. I, I appreciate it. And again, like Chris said, we, there's so many lessons to be learned from intern year. If I had to include all of them, they would be pages and pages long. It would be the world's yeah. most boring podcast. But we summed it up into three lessons that are our collectively most important takeaways from starting residency. Exactly. The first one I think is so important and it's so easy to lose track when you're in the trenches is that Mm -hmm. the days are long, but the months are short. And one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard from a resident is that no matter what happens, they can't stop time. That's so true. It doesn't matter how crappy your day is, or if you had a horrible week or even a horrible month, everything is short in medicine. It really is. You're going to be there. You're working long days. You're often working 12 plus hours at a time. Sometimes on call, you're working over 24 hours at a time, but there's always a light and every rotation is going to end, right? You're never going to be on a rotation for more than a couple months at a time. I truly believe that any any human with any semblance of resiliency can do anything for a month, right? Of course. Do anything for 30 days. You might be tired. You might be hungry. You might be a little upset or irritable, but you'll get through it. I think just keeping your chin up and knowing that, that no matter what's going on around you, time is going to keep moving on. And before you know it, your intern year is going to be over. You're going to be well into your second year as a medicine resident. It means you're halfway done your residency. It truly goes fast. My intern year flew by in a snap. I swear. feels like I just started intern year. I'm already two months into my second year. So it really yeah. goes by quickly because you're working hard. You're working a lot of hours. But just keep in mind that even though each individual day feels long, time will really go quickly throughout residency because you're working so hard and you're, you're so busy at all times that it really does fly by. Yeah. I mean, I also felt that way when I graduated med school. Uh, oh, those four years fly and uh, you may not think it, but it really, uh, really is not that long of a time. Sure. Um, Chris, tell us number two. So number two is, uh, you know, constantly have these little self check-ins, like staying in your lane as an intern, right? Um, you know, there are some things you don't want to overstep in terms of going up the ladder for second and third years and so on. Um, just remember to constantly self have these self check-ins, you know, look at your patient load. Like, are you carrying enough patients where you feel comfortable and, you know, maybe you want to push yourself and add another patient to your patient load. That's fine. But 
if you're at a patient load where you are just, you know, you're, you're writing in the wrong patient's chart or putting orders for things that you're not supposed to be putting orders in. And, you know, you're, you're not having these, these clear, uh, distinguishing margins between patients. Maybe you should back off a little bit and talk to your, uh, you know, upper residents and tell them, look, like, you know, I think I, I think I need to chill with my patient load a little bit. Uh, because, you know, I, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable and I don't want patient safety to actually be a problem. Because at the end of the day, it's the most important thing that your patient is safe um, and uh, getting the best care that they can get. Um, you know, another part of that self check in is are you comfortable with your expectations? Do you feel like you're meeting progress? Uh, you're, you're making progress or meeting or exceeding expectations that have been set for you by your program director or whoever you're working with for that shift, because it's so important to ask at the beginning of your shift to the attending, uh, in the emergency department, at least. Um, I'm not sure if you guys, I'm sure you guys do this in the OR, you know, asking the attending, look, um, what are your expectations of me for this case? Or what are your expectations of me for this shift? And once they give you those expectations, do a little self-check-in during your shift and be like, all right, am I meeting these expectations? Is there anything I could be doing better? Um, and then as you go through your intern year, I'm only, again, in my third month of intern year, but am I making progress? So these, these constant self-check-ins to really reassure yourself that you are making progress as an intern, I believe are extremely important to your intern year. It's so important, Chris. That's such a great point. And I think the biggest way to just encompass that is to stay in your lane. You know, know where you're at. Self-regulation is so important. I think especially in larger uh, residency programs where you have a bunch of other co-residents, it's so easy to lose track in comparing yourself to others and having these false expectations for where you should be. You know, for example, in anesthesia residency, oh, well, Bobby over here has been doing his own innovations and hasn't needed any help. Whereas, you know, I've been having some trouble. I've had some trouble getting a lines, arterial lines in the operating room. Whereas Susan here has been doing an easy job with them and she never needs an Italian's help. It's so easy to get caught up in all that, but truly just stay in your lane. You're all going to get there. Everyone develop, develop skills at different rates. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you're, you're where you want to be. And if you're not, then you take the actions necessary to get there. So yeah, important. absolutely. All right, Dr. Schuper, what's the last lesson of our top three? So our n number three lesson is knowing when to say no. Now, this might sound kind of funny, but when you're a fresh new intern, you're all wide-eyed, bright-eyed, excited to be there, and you yeah. want to be that yes man, that yes woman to make everyone happy, You know, especially you're at a big academic institution, people are, are going to throw research projects your way. Mm -hmm. and they want you to take on different uh, GME tasks, that represent our residency program because you're the intern and you're really excited and you, you just want to make everyone happy. But the mm -hmm. truth is, you're going to work your butt off regardless. So knowing how much you can tackle is so important. The last thing you want to do is overpromise and underdeliver. That's yeah. not the reputation you want to make right off the bat. So I would definitely be very cautious in terms of what you're willing to take on and just how, how much you're willing to engage with others. Yeah. You know, your limit, you know, that if you're going to have to work 60 hours a week, this month, 80 hours, whatever it might be that you're probably not going to be able to take on 10 different research projects. 
Yeah. Because either you're not going to sleep or you're not going to get either of them done. Neither of which are good options. So you need to sell, this goes with self-regulation as well, knowing what you can handle and not being scared to tell people no. And there are good ways to do it, right? You can say, hey, Dr. Jones, I, I, you know, I really appreciate the offer. Uh, give me a couple of weeks just to figure out where I'm at and, and what I can handle in terms of uh, my shifts here in the emergency department. And when I feel like I have a good grasp on things, I have a good sense of my schedule, then let's meet again and talk about us. I'm really interested in this project. I think it's a great opportunity. I really appreciate you coming to me, but uh, I would rather just for now, focus on my clinical duties, making sure I'm comfortable with my shifts before mm-hmm. I start taking on more things. And any, any reasonable person would appreciate that. And yeah, of as course. long as you're honest and, and you show interest, uh, you know, I think that's really important. It's much better to do that than just to overpromise and until you realize that you're way in over your head and then yep. relate to back out. Exactly. So that that's a big thing too. And you guys gotta realize, you know, something I've been realizing, because I'm a I'm a big like take on a lot of projects kind of guy. And, you know, I've had to say no to a couple things, but you need to realize that these people aren't gonna hold that against you. They completely understand. They're asking you because they want to know if you have enough time in your day or your busy schedule or, or whatever other projects you're working on to actually be able to take on this project. So just keep that in mind. They're not going to get mad at you. Just be respectful about it. Um, be open, be honest, because again, you don't want to, um, under deliver like Dr. Schuper was saying. Um, but yeah, so those are our top three. Uh, so Dr. Schuper, you want to like give a quick summary of them again? Absolutely. So three lessons to starting out residency. One, it can't stop time. The days are long, but the months and even the years are short. Don't forget yes, that. Number two, constantly check in with yourself. Stay in your lane. Don't compare yourself to anyone except you and know where you're at and where you want to be. And if you're not there, do what you need to do to make it happen. And number three, knowing when to say no. Don't overcommit and underdeliver. Know what you're capable of and really feel comfortable with your new responsibilities before you take on more than you can handle. And those nice. are our three tips. Surviving growth. Nice. Surviving intern year. Thank God. All right. Cause I got, I got a long way to go, my friend. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I know this episode is a little bit longer, but I feel like we really got into some great topics and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it again. This is a feedback based podcast. So if you guys have any feedback, uh, positive, negative, or if you guys actually want to give us some topics to talk about, we are, uh, you know, completely down for whatever. Just, you know, hit us up in our DMs on Instagram, uh, NeuroFitnessMD or Doc Riles. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. All right. Take care, guys.